Romans chapter 14, who wants to read the whole chapter? I could read it. I'll, I'll use the ESV if no one else wants to, but I want to allow you guys to step up and read the whole chapter. Then we'll break it down. Break it, break it down. And just I, let me, if I can, jump in here real quick, because we do have some new peeps here. So what Oops. we do, we have the embedded text chat within this voice chat here. If you're not sure where that is, uh, maybe type in another chat to let us know. But otherwise, if you do embedded voice chat, then when people want to speak, we just ha ask that you throw up a, whatever various hand emoji, um, like daughter of Emmanuel there just did. And that lets us know that you want to speak, and then we'll get a running list going if we got multiple hands. And then we'll call you up when it is your turn to sh share your your insight or ask your Let's question. Let's go. It, so. All right. We got Megan. Want to read Romans 14? Go ahead. I'll be the guinea pig. <laughs> Let's do it. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to judge to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is in unclean in of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one 
who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whatever has doubts is condemned. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whoever does not proceed from faith is sin. All right. Thank you, Megan. Back to verse 1 of Romans 14. If you guys are just jumping in, we're in Romans chapter 14. We probably will not get through the whole chapter. Knowing our track record, at least when I'm involved, we'll get to verse 3 maybe. Um, and so let's break down each verse. We'll talk about it. If you have questions or you have comments to make, uh, put your hand up in the chat. Um, that way we know who to call on in the right order. And uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1, it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, you know, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Um, Because the last chapter ended with fulfilling the law through love, um, walk properly as in the daytime, put on the Lord Jesus, right? Make no provision for the flesh. And so as he's, uh, you know, explaining that in in depth a bit more, this becomes... um, about the people who are quote-unquote weak in faith and what to do. One person believes he can eat anything. Uh, That's his conviction. That's what his conscience or her conscience testifies to. While the weak person who has the weak faith, they they eat only vegetables. Um, Don't let the one who eats despise the one who stays away. And let not the one who stays away pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. So just in those three verses, looks like John already has a a sermon prepared so let's let's get to john no i guess one thing that i want to help people do in this this has been one that's come up a lot lately within the circle a bit here and people dealing with things and so it's oftentimes a, a pointing you know this is a romans 14 scenario maybe something that'll help you paul Look at the entirety of the chapter through the lens of we are to esteem others greater than ourselves and have a servant heart towards the will of the kingdom. That, If you can really uh, look at it through that way, and it's obviously made it easier when you're walking in that in your, in your life. For those that are having trouble with that, it can be a little bit more difficult, I think. But if you can look at it through that lens, it's going to help you to understand this chapter better and what Paul is trying to say, that you're given deference to each other. Uh, because it is definitely a case, especially in the beginning part, of those who are considered stronger in faith or more mature in faith versus those who are weaker in faith. And the, the semblance is don't attack each other. Leave each other alone in these things. And you older brothers, older sisters in faith, Understand that you might have liberty in things that your younger brothers and sisters in faith will not. And be willing to esteem them greater and give up those things, uh, at least not <clears throat> flaunting them in your liberty in front of them, because it will cause them conviction. It will cause them to stumble, the rest, if you will, and internally. So be willing to do that. And then on the, high, on the other end, hey, you younger in faith, don't attack your older brothers and sisters who feel and believe they have more liberty on the matters of Scripture that are, aren't covered. Obviously, the things that are clear in, in Scripture, neither one is supposed to partake in. But for those things that are gray areas, so to speak, that the Scripture never really specifies on, 
don't come at each other with that. So uh, I hope that helps. If you can look at it through that lens of serving one another and esteeming greater and being that willing, surrendering servant before the Father, first and foremost, and then to your the body of Christ. That's really going to help in understanding and interpreting, especially the last two verses. It's going to be interesting when we get to that finally, because that's got some key things in it for sure. Anyhow. These are, these are the last two verses? Yeah, 22 and 23. When, when we get to there at the end of May. <laughs> oh, boy, you are hopeful, aren't you? <laughs> hey, I, I know our community. I know what it's like to go deep. So he's right. The Romans chapter 14, it's... Um, I think that that is a better way to explain it. Almost like older brother, sister in Christ versus younger, um, newer believer in Christ. Because I, I know that that uh, that that phrase "weak in faith" can like turn people off, or the weak person. It really is like kind of in your face. There, you're like, "Well, Paul's really pulling no punches, huh?" Calling people weak in faith. He's just talking about the sensitivities of their conscience. Um, uh, they have a higher sensitivity level. Uh, it doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that's what it is. Um, maybe those convictions change as, as they grow in their faith. Maybe they stay the same. Maybe they become more precise. Um, just the point is they have a, a more sensitive conscience, and they're more sensitive to, to things you know, that they are quick to label as sinful or stay away from that. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like as you grow in Christ, like you, you understand there's nuance. It's not so black and white. There's a lot more to bring to the table in this conversation. So specifically, he's talking about uh, dietary decisions uh, for Jesus. For Jesus. Um, so when someone decides, hey, I'm going to only eat this. I'm going to go on the Daniel fast. I think Daniel, you know, shows us. Someone might say, well, I, I look at the diet of Daniel and his. And I'm convicted to only eat the way he did in Babylon. Okay, that's great. Don't look down on people or feel superior to those who you know, choose not to engage in that diet, but they eat meat as well. Uh, same with the person who's like older in the faith, and they're like, you know what? You need to grow up and realize that this is not an issue. Like, it's not a conscience issue. You know, That person should not be speaking down to the, the younger brother or sister like that. They should be... Um, working with their conscience and their sensitivities, helping them grow, but also like being willing to kind of um, not compromise their convictions. But if I think this is okay, well, in front of you, I'm going to choose to adapt to your convictions for the sake of your faith. Um, so any, anyone else, verse one through three, concept of passing judgment. I've had so many experiences like this, man. It's like, real to me <laughs> this is very real especially when people just come to christ and you bring them to a bible study <laughs> in your house when people are like oh that guy is really strong about that isn't he so some things are an issue of conscience all right you guys got nothing are you really thinking taking notes you know what jason you know what might be interesting to do is oh. go ahead and jump to verse the last two verses and then come back to one because that might actually help to set a bit more context too. Okay. I'm only doing this. So John doesn't punish me. No, Verse I'm 22, it says the faith that you have keep between yourself and God. 
Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Right? Sometimes we violate our own conscience. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Period. Then we go back to the beginning. <laughs> and he brings in the the question of dietary um, you know, questions and um, and verse four, it says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master he stands or falls. You and I don't decide um, the standing of another person in the sight of God. Um, it is before his own master that he stands or falls. And this is specifically referring to someone who is in the household of God, I think. I don't think this is talking about an unbeliever who it's like, well, they clearly rejected the gospel. So I, I don't think they're right, they're right with God. Verse 4 is talking about, well, God is, all, is, is presumably their master and their father, and they're a servant to God. And so they stand or fall based on his decision about them. Um, when it comes to like, you know, living and being obedient, he will be upheld, the servant, because the Lord is able to make him stand. Um, and this is just talking about dietary things as a specific issue within the Roman church. Um, but this touches all areas of like secondary uh, theological questions or issues. And so that becomes the hard part is, well, what is a primary issue, something we can't compromise on and we can't budge? And what is a, um, a secondary issue where we can be more open-handed with it and entertain more conversations because it's not so black and white? You know, for instance, like sexual immorality, that's not a, <laughs> that's not a secondary issue. That's, it's clear in scripture. That's very black or white. Don't engage in it. Stay away from it. It's easy to recognize what it is. You don't need to go, I know what it is. You know what it is. Stay away from it. When it comes to like dietary things, and even he's going to talk about esteeming one day as better when it comes to a day of rest throughout the week. That is an issue of conscience, a secondary issue, meaning it doesn't affect the salvation of a person. I'm not saying sexual morality does, but um, first primary issues are those things that are uh, are salvific in nature, meaning uh, like gospel issues. Who is Jesus? What yeah. is he done? That kind of thing. Those are primary issues that we don't budge on. Yeah, things but, that are specifically spelled out and spoken to in Scripture versus the area there is like Scripture doesn't really talk about that. Yeah, Green says conscience, as in what you feel or what you believe. Yeah, what what you uh, are okay with, based on the convictions of your own heart, and what you're not okay with. And the point is, some of our, I guess, all of our convictions can be, be can become more precise as we walk with Jesus. Like our our convictions become more accurate as we read the scriptures. Um, when you're newer in the faith, there's like this sensitivity to like so much because you're not quite sure yet what is truly like objectively sinful and what's like something that's you know kind of more neutral and gray area um so the conscience what our convictions allow for us to do and not allow for us that conscience becomes i guess matures with us as we grow in christ um uh, jonathan 
Mike first. Go ahead, Mike, please. Okay. Um, so the way you were talking about like maturing in your faith and, and, and your convictions, you know, you kind of get more precise into your convictions. It made me think of kind of like, you know, our relationship with God. It's, it's like a relationship, like a marriage. And, you know, when you get married and you have a wife or a husband, it takes a long time for you to kind of like get to know them. It takes you a little while to like see what they like, see what they don't like. And, you know, it's like a whole takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of investment, commitment. You give up stuff. You learn what they don't like. You give up things. Or you, you learn things that they do like, so you start doing those things. So I feel like it's a lot like that in a relationship with, with Jesus that you just get to. You, as you read the scriptures, you get to like actually get to know his heart and what he wants for you and what he doesn't want for you. And like you said, through time, your convictions just start to change slowly. I like that. Yeah, fantastic um, analogy there. Before John drops some bombs, I want to kind of touch on that real quick. That is, I think, the most accurate picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus is that marriage relationship where you know your spouse better as time goes on, as you invest into the relationship you know what's not okay in front of them, what they don't enjoy, right? And you know what to not say and what to not do and what to not allow. And you're, you're actually, your convictions almost towards your spouse um, s- start to conform to their own. And you start to develop this sense of, oh, I, I don't like this because I, I know my spouse doesn't. And I love her, which means I'm going to not love uh, the things she's against. And I'm going to love the things she's for. And same thing with God. The convictions, I, I guess that's a, a, a right way of saying it, is our, our convictions grow and improve and become more accurate. Um, instead of just having this, like, I don't know, oversensitivity to everything and you can't even, like, do anything at all because you're so afraid of falling into sin, you, you grow and you learn. Your discernment is trained. I guess that's the best way to, to say it. Your discernment is trained. Um, so, yeah. Good stuff. So- Again, forgive me, because I believe this will help with the entire chapter. Let's go to 22 and 23 again. I want to show you guys a lens to look at the entire chapter through. So this is not a matter of God condemning us. And that is clear, made clear at the end of the chapter. And so if we go there, look at that, and then we learning through the rest, looking at it through the lens of that. This is this is not a God-involved directly chapter. So in verse 22, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction. And the word there is likened to the phrase, to thine own self be true. So the conviction is not the conviction that the Lord brings about, but this is a convincing. You are convinced, thoroughly convinced that it is this way. Um, So the conviction before God, happy, here's the key. Happy is the one who does not condemn himself in what he approves. This is not an issue of God condemning us. This is you being so convinced that this is true, that if you violate this, you're going to be condemning yourself. God's like, I'm I'm not in this. I'm, I'm out of this. So if you're convinced by this and you believe that this is the case, then that's that's you. Uh, go ahead. 
Um, yeah, and legalistic can be a, a part of that there. So going on in 23, but he who doubts is condemned. So if you're not thoroughly convinced about a point that you're adamant, no, this is an issue, and you're but you're waffling, you're doubting, then you're condemning yourself. Again, this is not God condemning us. This is us because of the conviction and belief in our own mind that this thing, this matter is true. And if I don't follow it, I'm sinning. And again, God's going, it's not me that's condemning you or convicting you. You're doing this in your head. So looking at that through that lens, um, that it's you're convincing yourself that it is this case. And if you don't follow this, you're condemning yourself. And God's saying, okay, again, I'm not, that's not me. But okay, I affirm that that's what you believe. Now, what you're going to often find happens. As as you mature, you're not willing to die on that hill anymore because you're like, oh, that was silly. Now I have more maturity. I see things differently. And something that I once held true in these gray areas, these non-specific issues of the Bible, I can let that go. I, yeah, doesn't. It's just a weight. It's just a burden I put upon myself. So there can be that essence of how we look at that through, through this chapter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what we're trying to distinguish between is there are accurate convictions that are true to Scripture, that are founded in the truth of God's Word, and there are other convictions that I don't know where they come from, um, maybe culture, maybe the way I was raised, maybe what my pastor told me, maybe just me misunderstanding Scripture. And it has no basis, like truthfully, in the Word of God. It's a, it's a self-fabricated conviction, or it's cultural and it's not necessarily God telling me that's right or wrong. It's what I have decided is right or wrong. Um, and I might even try and use the Word of God to kind of reinforce that. But the point is, there are personal convictions, and then they're actually like biblical convictions given by the Spirit. And when it comes to dietary or esteeming a day better than the other in verse 5, um, the point is to be convinced in your own mind about the convictions you have and as you, as those become more precise, or they fall away, or they develop, the point is to actually do things out of faith and actually follow the, the conscience and the convictions that you do have, and not live off the convictions of another, and not allow the conscience of another to direct my life, um, but to seek clarity and understanding and direction. And this is what First Corinthians touches on, I believe, in chapter eight with the food sacrifice to idols. Some people think it's okay. Some people think it's not. And the point is, neither of them are necessarily wrong. It's, a, it's an issue of personal conviction. What do they think is okay for them? And not to then judge another person for having a different conviction on a secondary issue. Um, so, good job, John. Um, Josh, go ahead. And then we got Paula up in the house. What? What? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. I was speaking and it was uh, not working. So I switched to speaker. But anyways, um, oh, first thing I want to say was, it's funny, the psalm I just read to my daughter when I put her to bed, 
Well, I didn't read the whole thing. I just pick out parts. But it was uh, Psalm 41, and it starts off, uh, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. Obviously, it's talking about different kind of weak. It's not the same thing. But, um, yeah, I, I really think what this whole chapter is speaking to is the fact that the highest law is love. You know, um, doing all things to the glory of God. Like, and the conscience really does matter because if, like you were saying, Jason, like if, I think it's, um, hang on, just, I'm really sorry about that. Anyways, um, yeah, like, if if I'm going to speak out against someone for something they're doing, am I, am I like, what is the objective? What, why am I saying what I, I'm saying? Is it to build them up? Is it to actually help them? Or am I trying to condemn them? Like, because I think that's what Jesus really wants us to get. Like, the thing about, like, what we eat. And what days we celebrate, like Christmas is like a great example of this. Like people are celebrating the Lord's birth and other people are condemning them for them, telling them they're celebrating a pagan holiday when like they wouldn't even know it was a pagan holiday if you didn't tell them it was a pagan holiday. So now it is a stumbling block for them. So like, and the we we serve a God who speaks, too. So, like, he's, he's going to speak to us. He's going to deal with us um, when the time is right. I know for me, like, I, I follow, I keep the Sabbath, but I keep it on Sunday, which, like you're saying, that's a cultural thing. It makes no sense. It's not in the Bible <laughs> that you keep it on Sunday, but, like, that's just sort of what I do and helps me. And I encourage other people to keep the Sabbath. I don't really care what day of the week it is, but, and I'll, I'll encourage people to do that, especially like if I know they've, they just don't stop, you know, they're going every single day of the week. I might encourage them and say, Hey, have, have you considered doing this? But I won't tell them, Hey, you're wrong for not keeping the Sabbath. Like, let the Lord deal with them with that, but um, yeah, I I try to I try to encourage the best I can to people to do things that I feel might help them with their relationship in the Lord or things that um, yeah, there there are certain things like you said, it's it's obvious when there is something that is wrong. Like if someone is hurting another person, you might want to gently come in and say something like, you know, you might want to think about that, but everything should be done to the glory of God, glorifying him, doing things the way Jesus did things when he was here, you know? Yeah. 
Sure. And I guess I should make clear, it is fine to share your convictions, almost to like help bring more precision to someone else's. Like, hey, maybe you've never considered this side, or maybe you've never heard this argument for why other people, you know, think differently. But I should never, like, almost impress my convictions upon people forcefully, as if right. the right way. I just, you know, um, as I grow older, physically and spiritually, I'm I'm way more open-handed with certain things. Not compromising, right? But I'm just way more... Uh, open to hearing another's viewpoint and I'm open to being wrong and to uh, being charitable and trying to understand how they came to the conclusions they do. That's a healthy thing for the church, but never like to the the neglect of your own discernment. That should be trained too. Um, I think as our discernment is trained, we're less afraid uh, of being deceived kind of thing. It doesn't mean we go seek out false teaching. It means like I can have conversations with someone who thinks Christmas is not okay. And I can share my views without, you know, being afraid that I'll freak out or, you know, that kind of thing. Discernment needs to be trained in, in the scriptures. Um, I, there's a lot that can be said about that, but I'll let Paula go. Good evening, Paula. Holla, Paula. Hey, everyone. Paula. Um, so, um, one thing that comes to mind in, in reading this passage is, uh, the beginning of the passage says at the top, the law of liberty and the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, our, our convictions are not to be taken lightly. And to me, that's something that's very personal, um, with our personal walk with the Lord and our personal relationship with God, uh, conviction is not easy, um, especially when you really don't know and you're, you know, praying and asking the Lord, like, please help me understand. So when others are really struggling or having this conviction in their life or or whatever it is personal, um, it's personal relationship. It's a personal relationship that we have with God to ask him and to pray about these things. And to me, it's, it's, the freedom that we have in Christ and as a Christian, like we all have freedom in Christ, but others who don't understand or don't know, they don't have, they don't understand fully to know that freedom that we have in Christ to condemn them or to make them feel little or that we're better or anyone's better or point fingers or say anything because God is the only judge. He is the one that's, that we're going to have to answer to. He's the one that we call and cry to and answer, um, you know, and everything. But to me, it's, it's conviction is very personal. Um, even when we don't understand and, uh, having brothers and sisters in Christ that we trust and who can, you know, call on and share those things with, um, definitely, especially when you're going through it and, and know that, Hey, you know, it's okay. Rather than, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And that's wrong because, First, it's it's a very vulnerable state to come and ask for help um, when you're really reaching for answers. So this is like really personal to me, especially I'm trying to get through this without actually crying because I've had been going through this stuff. But just reminder that, you know, our liberty and freedom that we have in Christ and our personal relationship with God and how big his grace and mercy is 
uh, regardless of what it is that we're facing. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. Amen. A lot could be said there. Who's next? Thank you for sharing, Paula. I think it's Andrea. Go ahead, sister. Andrea, can you hear me? Andrea JB. Hopefully you can hear Hello, hello. hello. Oh. Um, so, um, I was going to share that um, there are um, definitely things that, you know, as far as, you know, configures that, you know, as far as like what you eat and, and drink and these things. But in this hour, there is definitely things that, you know, um, cannot be compromised in the body of Christ. And the first and number one thing is the identity of Jesus, who Jesus is. That cannot be. And there is a, you know, the scripture even talked about it in Matthew, um, Matthew uh, 7. It talks about like wool, uh, wolves, wolves in the spirit, which is like the spirit of the Antichrist you know, who does not emphasize who Jesus is because there are beliefs that Jesus is just a prophet. Jesus was just, you know, a teacher. Jesus was just a, pro you know, but in the Christian faith, Jesus is more than that. And so that's the biggest thing that in, it cannot be compromised. Um, who he is as a Christian. So, um, and and that's like the whole biblical, you know, that's the whole bit of being a Christian is who Jesus is. And that's amazing because that's who you were talking about, Jesus, you know, in your and I saw like coming up in your your videos, you're getting into that. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Much agreed. We do not compromise or change our views on who Jesus is. And there's a lot that falls under that category of we will not budge on this, right? This is close-handed, like the gospel, what he's done, who he is, his divinity, his humanity, the authoritative scriptures, the word of God being inerrant, infallible, and breathed out by God, you know, Jesus being the only exclusive way into the kingdom, all these different teachings. Yeah, we don't budge on those. Um, so, who is Adayamas? Hey there, girl. We're Florida, Florida siblings. Hi, guys. You guys hear me? We can. Yay. Because um, my connection's a little off sometimes, so that's why I'm checking. Um, well, this speaks to me a lot, but it's just in my way, um, the scripture is more... Like, I don't have a church that I go to, and, and most of you guys know. <laughs> so you guys are my community that I have, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ that I talk to or come on here. So I'm pretty surrounded by unbelievers or people that say they do follow or know God, but you can tell they're, they're not there. Like, you could tell. <laughs> um, 
and they really don't know God. So it's like I, I, I'm literally, like it says, like you have to, I'm trying not to pass judgment because they don't know God. And then, but I'm growing myself as well, how to love them. And it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to do that because to be alone and then just walking and, and knowing that he says, you just got to love one another. And, and that's what I'm trying to show um, to the people that's around me. Um, especially the ones that says, yeah, they believe in God, but then you worship something else. Um, you know, and I'm, I don't want to pass the judgment to them because at the end of the day, they are weak. Maybe they do have the faith. Maybe they do have the belief, but it's just not there. And I can see that. And I'm trying to be gentle and caring and, and all the qualities that I know Jesus wants us to show so he could be seen through us and and that's what i i i want to do so <laughs> so it, i i don't have the brothers and sisters that i could really explain to you guys i understand you know how to be you know like in a community be gentle to one another or or see that one is weaker in faith and another's not weaker in faith because i don't have that around me it's more like okay how do i get this person to christ um, that's the most that I have. How how am I acting that they could see God? They could, you know, that they could see Him, not me, because I I'm <laughs> I'm not perfect. Um, so just seeing you guys talk about it is like I want to be there, <laughs> but um, but that's what I'm surrounded with, and and so I'm using what I'm seeing in Scripture. Like now, is like yeah, I I'm not surrounded by the believers that you know that but I am surrounded by a lot of people that are hungry and they're looking for something and it's Jesus um so I just want to share that that's how I see this and and I know it's more like maybe for believers in Christ but I I see it more like using it to anyone that comes my way that needs to see God and if they're weak in faith or not or unbelievers or not, I still try to use that principle of love one another, care for one another, like yourself, for like, you know, God loves us. So that's what I get out of that for me, personally. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. And you know, we're called to evangelize and help people see the truth. And while we don't judge people or look down on them, you know, sometimes we're to have hard conversations with people and it's difficult because it's yeah awkward it's confrontation all that all right let's get back to the scripture verse five it says one person esteems one day as better than another wow while another person esteems all days alike like equally each one should be fully convinced in his own mind Hmm. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. I don't know whatever other day there is except the Sabbath. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, well, he abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. 
None of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Um, anything in that section of scripture you guys have questions on, you want to highlight, you want to comment on, put your hands up in the, I guess, text chat. All right, Nikki, go ahead. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Um, no, it's just a commentary on that, you know, that's the freedom that we find in the Lord. Right? You know, it's it's, it's a chance to worship Him in, in every turn and thank Him and give glory to God and praise Him for being good. Because He He's allowing us to to walk with Him and 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 have that personal relationship with him and saying, look, they, these heavy burdens, you know, you don't have to carry them. I've, I've already taken them myself, you know, where that personal conviction comes in. And it's like, okay, it also talks about the specific relationship you have with him. It's not like some far off thing. It's like your date. He's like your boyfriend, but the best boyfriend you ever had, you know, <laughs> like, you, you can you can talk to him about anything, and he'll guide you through everything. And you just say, "Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this meal before me." Whether or not this meal, to some, might be something they don't agree with, you're sitting there and you're praising God just to have food in your belly, out of love and love for Him. And and we can echo His grace and how we treat others, as He gives us abundance of grace. We can be gracious to our brothers and sisters in that same right, knowing that they're in a personal relationship with the Lord. Yeah, just saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Who's next? That's deep. You just sit on that. John says, example of current worldview of belief, I see that chair and believe I could sit in it. Proceeds to never interact with or rely on that chair. Versus, I see that chair and believe it can uphold me if I sit in it. Proceeds to use the chair in faith, putting it in action. That's right. Anyone else? It's quite a big section of scripture. I want to give you guys a few moments to at least think through or strike up the courage to share your questions or insights. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, what, what you do with each day, what you do with your dietary decisions. What you allow into your mouth, just whatever it is, live unto the Lord. Do it for his glory. If that's the filter, uh, you're most likely, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but you know, if that's the filter for how you live, uh, you're most likely to avoid the wrong decision. You know, just too many people, uh, including myself, I don't always live life through that filter, man. There are some decisions that I actually don't filter through. Does this honor the Lord? Is this me seeking to do what glorifies him most? If we could live like that, which I believe the Spirit of God can enable us, if we did, that'd be a fantastic life. And then verse 9, it says, To this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Hmm. I wonder how this concept of uh, 
I guess, conquering death comes into play when it comes to our conscience and our own personal convictions in living and dying to the Lord. And then he points out that you know, Jesus, you know, lived and died and then lived again. <laughs> so he's Lord both of the dead and of the living. What do you think is the connection there? After talking about, hey, personal conscience, don't judge people, don't stand above people, live by what you believe honors the Lord most. He goes right into, you know, by the way, the, Jesus is the Lord of the, um, of both the dead and the living. And I'm not sure I uh, quite understand the connection yet, so I, I'm actually asking you guys to <laughs> share what you think. At least so I can figure it out, because I don't know. Ooh, Nikki, yes, drop some bombs. Sorry, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no one else is talking. Just, both the dead and the living. Well, I mean, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. So those who have passed, and Jesus went down before he went up. And so I think it's all about freeing the captives, regardless of their state. Does that make sense? I don't know. I, I could be way off base here, man. Wait, repeat that, because I didn't catch the full statement. Okay, uh, like, being the Lord of the living and the dead, because he is the resurrection, right? And so, um, since the Lamb was sla slain from the foundations of the world, Jesus, our Lord, who brings the salvation of God, it's open to all. Because he both went down, he went down before going up, you know? So, to the depths of Abraham's bosom in Sheol and then up, I, I would assume. But I could be wrong. I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, let's go together. He goes down, comes up. If my convictions lead me into the grave because I stand on the truth and don't compromise and seek to honor the Lord even into death, well, I can be sure that the one who is the ultimate example of uh, following God into the the grave, he'll he'll raise me up. Um, because remember, no, no one lives or dies to himself. Uh, no one stands or falls himself. It's God who upholds and can make his people stand. It's God who decides. You know, um, if a if a, one of his servants stands or falls, um, at least when it comes to the personal conviction side of things, and um, us looking to God. So it's almost like, I'm just thinking out loud here because I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's like the anticipation of the resurrection uh, gives me um, confidence in my convictions, not to know like for sure everything I'm convicted about. But when I, when I process what I'm about to do and I go, oh, there's a conviction here. My conscience is sensitive about this. And I, and I know that I'm doing it because I honor the Lord. That I'm doing that in obedience in the direction of the resurrection, like anticipating that even if this conviction, like I want to live in such a way where when I die, I know that I did everything to, to honor the Lord and what I, how I conducted myself because I know he's going to raise me up. So the resurrection really does bring um, a sense of confidence and assurance to us when we um, seek to honor God and, and follow the convictions uh, that either he's given us or, or we believe are, are fitting um, for our life. It's just resurrection. Maybe verse 10 will bring clarity, but I don't see any other hands. Ooh, I see hands. Mr. Enduring. Okay. Okay. And then we got Ken. Ooh. 
This is a good lineup. This is a good lineup. Go ahead, Mr. Enduring. If you're still in here. I think you are, right? J, K, yeah. Mr. Enduring. Mr. Enduring, can you hear me? Jack, to the microphone, please. Jack, to the microphone. He's looking for the mute button. James, he's copying you. Can't find the mute button. I'll give him a little bit. And if not, we'll just let Ken step up to the plate. Smash that home run. Um... Sorry, my Discord is crashing for some reason. I have no idea. I was trying. I kept trying to push the button. I kept trying. Um, You're good. So here's what I got, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but this is my personal conviction, and I think that's what we're talk talking about here. And uh, just as he loved us when we were sinners, we talked about this earlier the other day too. <laughs> He loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. He's now his son is the redeemer, our advocate, our savior. Everything we can imagine is what he is. He's had the greatest love for all of us when we were sinners and now even more that we follow in his ways. And I think we should demonstrate, live by, sing by, walk by, do what those words say. And there's still a lot of sinners out there. And I think he wants us to love them just as much and bring them into his grace, bring him into his presence. Show them the way because somebody showed us the way. Well, for me, no one showed me the way. He bashed me to the ground and to the ground and to the ground until I learned. I learned the hard way. I was one of the ones that learned the hard way. <clears throat> but he did. He had enough love for me that filled me up so much. He just poured his grace all over me. And I'm so grateful for that. I just, at times I find myself crying and laughing sometimes because I'm like, God, man, you're funny. You're, you're way too funny. Because of some of the stuff that he put me through. And believe it or not, I learned from that a great deal. And I learned how to love people a great deal from that. And some of it was ugly. Some of it was not so ugly. Either way, it's that conviction that he put in me with the Holy Spirit that led me to where I'm at today. That, they, that keeps leading me each and every single day. From the moment I wake up to the moment I lay my head down. And yeah, it took a long time, but guess what? I'm here and I'm loving it. And I have no shame in how long it took me to get here. And any other one that feels like maybe they're not there where they need to be, it doesn't matter. He will be there waiting for you with open arms. 
So, if any one of y'all are thinking that, don't worry. He loves you. And all the brethren in here do too. And that's basically what I have on love. That's about it. Thank y'all for letting me share. Amen. Thank you for sharing. All right, brother Ken. Mm. Ken. Jack, I'm just going to have to say you're, you're a beautiful brother. And we can take a little bit of what this next verse has to say about why do we judge or be a little brother? Should we not also see our brother in the same way that God sees him? Only through the righteousness that he gives us. That there is no condemnation in us. So we should look at our brother and sister in the same way that I see no condemnation. I don't see the ugly parts. We can use these weaknesses as to edify God, but it is not our identity. It is what we came from, the death that we came from. So God, Christ is absolutely the God of the dead and the living. He is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of everything. Everything trembles at his presence, creation, man, the enemy. Even those that are dead in their sins who have not accepted him, he is still Lord over them as well. And so because of this, we, uh, we should do all things for him. Our worship should only be for him. When we do our job, we shall only do it for him because we do a little extra for our neighbor or our coworkers. I got to cover this thing over here that they never do. We should gladly do it because we do it for the Lord. We see a bunch of stuff uh, at a restaurant and on our table. You know, we clean it up and put it together nice and neat, not for the waitress, even though they do get edified for it. We do it for the Lord because in, in doing so, that worship, that service that we put, it allows their day to be more focused and for God to say, hey, something good happened to you today. I did it for you. Because when we do things and we do things for the Lord, all the things that are done, he can now turn to the person who is lost and say, look, I'm here. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I'm trying to get close to your heart. I'm knocking. When our when our spouse, our parent, our sibling is having a hard time with us or we're being a butt, we got to remember, let's do it for the Lord. Let's not just forgive them because we're told to do so, because we do it for the Lord. Because he's the Lord of all, the dead and the living. You know, that's right. So, mm, you know, if I go now. Uh, I'm sorry. Who is this? A uh, longtime listener, first time caller. You know what? You can go. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, all these things that you guys are touching on, absolutely. I think this is one of the cases where there's multi facets to look at it through, uh, and all these are are. Uh, 
definitely the case with it. Um, what I'm thinking of, like starting back at verse seven, for not one of us lives for himself. Pick up your cross and follow him daily. Die to yourself. Make your life a living sacrifice. You want to gain your life, then lose your life. Die to yourself. That's what I And we're, uh, as a new creation, as being that servant hearted, look, like I was saying earlier, looking at this chapter through the lens of a servant heart, that we esteem others greater than ourselves, that we are not seeking our own will, but we're seeking the, the will of the Father, and to live as a willing bondservant in his household, looking after his interests. And so we are dying, we're living for him, we're dying to ourselves in order to do that, not my will, your will be done. Then in verse 8, for if we live, we live for the Lord. We're serving for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. I am dying to myself. So it's either way, it's pointing back to the Lord and what we're seeking to do. Die to myself so I can live to the Lord. Therefore, that whether we live or we die or die, we are the Lord's. And, and so it definitely brings in the commentary I have on this talks about uh, his lordship continues even in death when our bodies lie in the grave and our spirits and soul are in his presence. So yeah, it absolutely points to that as well. For to this in Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead, those who are dying to themselves to serve him, and of the living, those who are living for him as a result of dying to ourselves. So yeah, I think... All of what we've been discussing, how it's been pointing to in the perspective is all appropriate for sure. Hmm. I really want to do this, but I also... Let's read 10, 11, and 12. I was going to open a can of worms. I don't think I'm going to yet. Verse 10 says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? So this, this kind of judgment is not like evaluating or helpful, you know, assessment. Like there's a good kind of judgment, judge righteously, not according to appearance, right? But uh, with righteous judgment, um, the kind of judgment here is condemning, looking down, despising, belittling someone. Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. I think that's exactly where this idea of the dead and the living is, is going, it's taken us the direction of the ultimate judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. Sounds like Philippians. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So whether you're dead when he comes back, whether you're alive, you don't get to escape uh, the overall um, final day of judgment in terms of, oh, I just didn't show up. No, the believers get rewarded for their faithfulness. Those who are unbelievers um, are actually raised up to eternal separation, and they're, they're condemned for their sin. So th I, I think the point is, all of us are going to be ultimately um, evaluated by God. And First Corinthians talks about like things that are burned up and works that weren't really of Him, and um, and our works will be proven, evaluated, you know, proven by fire. But the idea of the dead and the living is moving us the direction of the judgment seat. That's what matters. Everyone's going to be judged and evaluated by God. Um, 
And when you live like that, you're, you're not as quick to uh, self-righteously judge people. The problem is we forget the fact that I'm, I'm accountable to God just as much as the person is that I'm looking down on. And so we have to keep these things into perspective, um, especially when it comes to these, these uh, convictions that aren't as you know, weighty. Like, oh, are you allowed to watch that? Am I allowed to listen to this? Am I allowed to go to that place? There's some things that aren't as black and white, right? Personal conviction. Um, but I want to do everything um, with that in mind, that I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and I want to know that I conducted myself in an honorable way. So he's the God of the dead and of the living. Powerful. Here's the can of worms, though, that I couldn't help but bring to your attention. Mark twelve twenty seven. It says, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Matthew twenty two thirty two says the same thing. The Lord says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Jesus says, well, he's not, he's the, he's God, not of the dead, but of the living. Romans 14, though, not that this is a contradiction. I'm not, I'm not at all trying to minimize the authority of scripture. I'm just trying to get you to think about this. Verse 9 says, he's Lord both of the dead and of the living. So, anyone want to tackle that? Oh, yes, Nikki's going to tackle it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I think it's the culmination of all things. Because at the end of, all, the, end of the age, when the Lord, when all things are, are brought to a head, and we stand before the throne of God, that's, I believe, what it means. Um, you know, when you have chosen your God, quote unquote, because you can't, you know, it, it, there's like, you can't love God and mammon. You'll either worship one and hate the other kind of thing. I think that's, that's what it's alluding to, you know? Like, who is your God? Is, are, you, is your, are you your own God? Or is the God of this world your God? Or is it the one true living God that is your God kind of thing? I don't know. Maybe. I like where this is going. It's one about the Father and one for the Son. Also some... Uh, I didn't think about that. Andrea JB. Let's go. Uh, oh, we got others before her. Oh, really? Yeah. I, ah, apologies, Megan. Go ahead. How did I not see your hand? Then we'll get to Bryce. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I was reading this, and I was just thinking the living and the dead. Um, God gives breath to all human beings, right? So it is only by his will that every single human being, whether alive in Christ or dead in Christ, is alive so he we all have to go back to him at one point we all have to participate in judgment and you know he gets to decide but he gives us that choice but either way we still belong to him because we came from him so ultimately we have to go back to him but it's our choice whether you know we're actually with him or in hell. So that's how I see it. 
So you got me thinking like God does not identify himself with dead deadness and death. He right. identifies himself with life, right? But he still has he still has authority over death and over the grave. So in that sense, he is the God of the dead, Lord of the dead and of the living, but specifically Jesus mm-hmm. conquering death, right? Resurrecting. He shows he has authority over that um, and can bring people up from the dead. But God does not identify himself uh, like with deadness, death. Um, so exactly. Bryce, thank you. Megan. Yes. Mm. Good stuff. Be handsome. What's yeah. Up, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was thinking of like the, yeah, the spiritual death and the, and, and when it came, when it comes to, comes to this as well, like where it has, where, um, you know, like when, um, when we're spiritually alive in, in Christ or, or dead, I, and a lot of stuff was already kind of, kind of said with that, but, um, yeah. So like when, um, yeah, when he's not, I don't know, like when he, when we're when we're um he's when we're like alive in in, in Christ we're we're uh, we uh, we we're in full surrender of uh to him and we're we're uh, we and we uh he's in full like he's in full control over over our lives over what's uh and 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 uh, and we're and we, um, we accept everything that that and as Christians we should be the ones that that, that are fully accepting everything that that uh, that he wants to that that he wants for us that he has for us and 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 not running out in in fear and, and trembling and just and pushing and pushing him him away from um and uh, from what's from everything from what's going on in our lives and and yeah that's kind of that's also kind of how I, how I see it as well yeah absolutely you guys are Killing Andrea J B. I know is next, so go ahead. And God even talks even more, and He has a certain perspective even about death. And that was, you know, He was saying that. But you can even talk about death as it relates to covenant and the the original covenant with Adam under the first. Um, uh, uh, judgment under the condemnation of the first judgment, right? So the original, you know, uh, under that first condemnation, brought in death, brought in condemnation, and brought in the the um, that death, and that's when that death came. And he's saying that he that is not, you know, in him bringing Christ now, it's life. Now he doesn't bring in that condemnation; he brings life. But you know. That thing is still at work, you know, in those that don't partake. And it even talks, Jude, um, and we, you know, have to stay vigilant. Jude, I'm reading Jude chapter, um, Jude, first chapter. And it just um, talks about, like, um, Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. So, um, 
and like you, you and God, God even what said even in scripture before like let the dead bury the dead like right now we you know in a place where we're you know focused on or you know Jesus who brought in life and so sometimes we can get fixated on you know death you know outside of you know Christ outside of what Christ did because originally you know death was magnified through, through the old way but cross Christ brought in the new life, the new way. So, that's right. There's a new way now. Jesus makes a way. I love that. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And then you're like. <laughs> Every tongue shall confess to God. Wait a minute. Doesn't Philippians tell us that that's Jesus? Which one is it? Philippians 2.10, right? And he would say, yes. And you're like, is it we bound to Jesus or you? Confessing you're God or he is? He'd say, yes. <laughs> the authority of Jesus is seen in his resurrection, right? Conquering death, having power over the grave, right? So that that's what seems to kind of, uh, I guess, frame up this live by whatever your conscience seems to testify of what honors God most. And don't live by someone else's conscience. Don't look down on people for having different sensitivities and different convictions, right? Um, and that's so important because I think a lot of heated arguments and division actually sadly happens around these secondary issues and convictions. Well, I'm convinced that fill in the blank, and if you're convinced that of something differently, then we can't fellowship. And we're going to have a heated argument to show how, <laughs> just how immature we really are, right? Um, and so the, while this doesn't sound like a huge deal, it is. Uh, the enemy creeps in through these, these secondary arguments about things that aren't primary issues of salvation. And learning to work with other people who have different convictions, that's a hard thing, man. It is a very hard thing to humble yourself and admit that possibly I'm wrong, but at least I want to be open to um, working with someone else's convictions. Like, can you do that? Uh, that's hard. <laughs> Are you able to, like... Not set aside your convictions, but like if someone has a different sensitivity than you do and they're more convicted about something that you think you're free to do, can you still, um, for the sake of their faith and your unity with them, can you still, um, I guess, work with their convictions? And uh, Yogan asked, are we recording this? Absolutely. We are. We will go ahead and throw this on the, our community podcast for those that miss it or you can get to hear the whole thing or you want to share it um, should have that posted uh, by tonight actually. So, you know, be on the lookout. That's what love is. That's why he, he goes in, he leads in from, Hey, fulfill the law through love. Right. And you're like, easy money. I got this. And he's like, ah, sometimes you'll have to lay aside your convictions to work with someone else's. It doesn't mean you're compromising. It means if they have stronger convictions for the sake of their faith and your love and unity with them, you will actually um, almost like 
submit yourself to to what they are convicted by to preserve unity and love. So it's hard. Not a lot of people want to talk about that. They just want to talk about how they're right instead of, hey, you know what? How can I work with your convictions? For instance, there's a um, we had a Bible study back in California at our house, and one of my buddies he had a strong conviction about video games. Uh, we play Super Smash Brothers, right? Um, in my opinion, not a big deal at all. <laughs> like just just destroying people and kicking them off the 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 stage, you know. That's all. And um, he was very very convicted about just. The idea of uh, kicking people off a stage, I guess. Um, and so we we kind of talked about it and we're like, hey, what you're really asking us to do is to not play anymore and have fun together. Uh, we didn't do that for our Bible study, just to be clear. We did it after. Um, you know, and, and we went, you know what? We're willing to do that for the sake of our unity and, and your personal conviction. It, it d- doesn't mean we don't share why we think it's okay and not a big deal. We did. We did. We actually shared uh, some scriptures to back up why I don't, I don't think this is a black or white issue that this is evil for all people. You know, we shared that, but we also, while we're educating and sharing our opinion, um, we are choosing to work with his conviction to, to not create any divisiveness. So, you know, that's just a practical example of um, choosing to love people and not expect people to rise to the standard of your convictions. That's what we do. We like hold people hostage to our convictions. Um, and some people might say, well, aren't they doing that to you by you? Like, you know, almost working with their convictions. And I'd say, no, my hope is to uh, show them and educate them to see why my convictions different. And maybe they stay that way. Maybe they grow out of it. Uh, but at least, um, my desire is to promote love and and unity. It's a touchy subject, though. Gurogu, go ahead. Oh, bless your heart. You're illiterate. Uh, <laughs> well, if that's your conviction. <laughs> so here's a question, then, on the heels of that, where you chose to abstain because of this brother's conviction. So, and and this is, I guess, for those who are willing to do that, who would see themselves, okay, it's not an issue for me, but I see it's wanting to cause problems for my my uh, brother here. Um, so we won't do it. Now, here's the thing. Do you just not do it while he is present? And then you still walk in liberty of it when he's not around, so you're not causing him issues? Or do you even go so far to say, you know what? I'm willing to completely cut that out of my life. Even when you're not around. It's not something that I need. I'm not going to do it. What, what is, as being somebody who would be more mature in faith, what is your conviction on that? Yeah, I still played Smash Bros. <laughs> personally. No. Um, but I, I know that I know the the conversation is supposed to cause me to say yes otherwise. But that's no, just no. What no, not at all. I don't think there's a right or, right, right or wrong okay, answer. Okay. Just to, in your conviction in that of believing, okay, yeah, I don't want to stumble my brother. How far are you going to take that to the mm-hmm. point where I just won't do it around him, but I'm going to still partake when he's not. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? I'm willing to cut that entirely out of my life. And again, not a right or wrong answer here. 
Yeah. There was one time we brought someone into our home. We had no idea, but it was like on New Year's and we had some alcoholic beverages out. And he said, well, I can't have any alcohol, so you need to put that away. And it was more forceful instead of conversational um, and edifying. This was like, hey, you need to get rid of this because I am not okay with it. Um, my buddy pulled him aside. He he was a Mormon, first of all. Um, second of all, my buddy pulled him aside and said, hey, um, you can't really like come into someone else's home and tell them what to do based on your convictions. Um, so either you... Uh, stay and you're you just have to not look at what's happening if someone takes a drink or you have to leave um he stayed for a little while ended up leaving but that was uh an example of it's not like we choose alcohol over you it was um even if we did it wouldn't produce the right result because uh, sometimes me entertaining someone's conviction is enabling right and that that becomes like this this nuanced conversation of well, when am I helping and when am I just enabling someone to stay in immaturity? I don't want to do that, but I don't think that's for us to know necessarily. I just think if the Spirit of God is leading you to say, to, to do what they are convinced of, what the other person is convinced of, do it. Um, and trust that God will handle the result and the fruit. In that moment, I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do for a number of reasons, but um, you know, with the Smash Bros thing, played Smash Bros as soon as he left. And we're like, this is fine. This is not a big deal. Sometimes, though, someone else's conviction does become mine. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I can't believe I was okay with this. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, you know? And so it's, I guess it's different each time. Sometimes you take on someone else's convictions. Other times you work with them, but they're not yours personally. Other times you choose not to because you've innate, they've, you've done it for so long you're just enabling them to to stay in immaturity and not grow right and to you're almost like enabling their uh, uh entitlement like i'm entitled to you observing my convictions oh you're not and i'm going to show you why you're not you know it's hard though so that's today's passage anyone else any other hand? Uh, was, get to Nikki, did you have your hand up or were you waving? I did. I had my hand up. Go, Nikki, go. Okay. No, I'm, I'm sort of with you on this, Jason, but I think it's more so like seen in a perspective of love because it goes back to that personal relationship with the Lord. You know, we're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so if something that you're convicted on, you're convicted on, know that that's like that is for you. To walk out with the Lord, um, and so when you when you press upon another um, in a means to to put a burden upon them that may not have been there prior, that's that's. I mean, you you can discuss these things, but not in the expectation that others must do as you do, right? Again, that's the personal relationship you have with the Lord now out of consideration for your brother or sister, like let's say they, they're struggling ex-alcoholic and they also have conviction within themselves not to drink. Out of consideration for your brother, you might say, you know what, you guys, let's, let's set aside the alcohol, you know, obviously for tonight, but even if we're not convicted for the sake of our brother who is struggling with that, 
right? And that's out of love and compassion. And um, but at this in the same notion, it's it's also like I mean we can talk about it in today's current issues with compelled speech, for example. You know, um, you don't you don't weigh that upon someone else. You don't weigh that upon someone else. You present it and leave it to that person to decide. Um, it's just like when you when you share the gospel with someone, you don't like force it down their throat. You say, here's a little piece of truth from the Lord. You can choose to take it from my hand and eat of it, or you can choose not to. But I'm not going to force it into your mouth until you choke on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like stuffing a bun in someone's mouth, but they're just not ready for it, you know. So... Yeah, and that's out of love too. That's compassionate and considerate. And and as brothers and sisters, yeah, of course, when it comes to things that we might that is that is sin, that is blatantly considered sin, we can discuss it with brothers and sisters and say, hey, you know, this isn't good for you. But it all the I'll leave it up to you between you and the Lord to h- how to work this out. Um, but yeah, so instead of condemnation, right? We we shouldn't be condemning others, right? based on our own convictions. Worry about yourself, you know. Worry about yourself and, and work out your own salvation. And, and, and that should be the case in, in these things. Because it, it can bring a great deal of weight upon the shoulders of a brother or sister who found freedom in, let's say, praising the Lord while praying over their food, regardless of what that food was. Right? So. Thank you. I hope I don't sound like a monster. I... I wasn't saying he—he he wasn't an ex-alcoholic. He was. Oh no, no, no! I like—I didn't mean that at all, brother. No, no, no. Just to be clear, because so, I know people are going to listen to this later on the podcast and be like, "Wow, what a wiener he is!" No, he—he he didn't struggle with any of that. He, I don't think he's ever actually touched alcohol, and that was his own conviction. So it wasn't a struggle or a temptation per se. It was, uh, and and even his des- desire to abstain once we got to the root of it was just uh, not based in truth, but. That presents the other aspect of I never ever want to be an obstacle to someone else. Meaning, if my if my freedom presents temptation to someone who's in the same room as me, I will let go of my freedom and come under their conviction for the sake of keeping them out of sin. So that is another element to this is I think anytime you are going to be a temptation to a brother or sister or um, an obstacle to them in terms of giving them license to do what their con- what their conscience says not to. That I think is an absolute clear answer um, to actually sacrifice whatever sense of freedom you think you have and 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 submit to the conviction that they're they're sharing with you. And that's the that's the whole point is it's conversational, like Nikki said, and it's not forced. Um, I've had lots of interactions like this and been in situations where it's awkward, but I dare not choose my freedom over their, you know, holiness and sanctification. You know, I dare not choose my, uh, I don't know, comfort and ease and preference over them becoming more like Jesus. I will choose their faith, man. That's another thing to consider. Very important. Thank you, Nikki, for saying what I forgot. Ken, with a fireball to his name. What? Say what? So, um, we definitely know that conviction comes from above. As the advocate comes, he is advocating for Christ. 
in conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment through our walk and our sanctification. We are called to mutually encourage each other's faith, the faith that is given to us. The author and perfecter of our faith is Christ, so we do everything for him. And in doing so, we set boundaries to certain things, not just, hey, I'm going to keep you away from me because of your walk, but I am going to set a boundary to protect my brother who I want to walk and yoke with. That not only do I set the boundary away from sin, because I don't want to fall into sin when I skip over that boundary, but I want to set it back further to where I fall into grace, that my brother can fall into grace, that when I encourage him, it is within my walk, within my worship, that I choose to encourage him by the way that I walk as well. So for us to do so is like that double-edged sword which is the Holy Spirit, that when I do something to encourage him, there is a mutual uh, reciprocation from that, that I too am encouraged because that shows a growth in me, that shows what Christ has done in me, and it's not my own, it is Christ. So when we do these things to keep ourselves away from sin, away from temptation, our stumbling blocks, we do it also with our brother. There's a reason why we make sure that we both are aligned. We both are gently rebuking each other with Scripture and, and, and not that I'm right and you're wrong and why aren't you following what I do because they're never to follow us and we're never to follow them. We're supposed to follow Christ. So when we encourage each other, let it be a, a good piercing from the Holy Spirit in a conviction that isn't something that makes us fearful but affirm to what we are doing and what we are doing is right. That when we say that I follow Christ, I love God, and I can show it in my walk, that conviction is founded, and it's something that I can stand upon, that I can boast, that I only boast in Christ. That is just beautiful. Too much to unpack. I'm going to let someone else talk. I can, I'm going to go kind of full transparency here. And the reason why I was saying oof to your scenario there, because my initial thought, my initial reaction is in context of chapter 14, talking about brethren, fellow believers in the situation with your friend, you're not my brother in the Lord. You're following a cult. I don't really need to uphold your convictions. You know, I'm supposed to do that for a brother or a sister, but brother, you're living a lie in Mormonism. You're not my brother in the Lord. And your convictions, especially presented in a forceful way, have no bearing on me. <laughs> It'd be like a Satanist coming in and saying, you need to do this. Yeah, don't really care what your beliefs are. And I'm not saying that is a right reaction whatsoever, but that's kind of where my my mind went. And it's like, ooh, there needs to be a heart check there. Because that could be obviously offensive because we want them to come out of that lie that they're believing in. And so that could definitely be damaging. But that's why it's like, ooh, no, that that's a horrible way to look at it. 
honestly, that's that's why I said he was, I, I clarified that he was Mormon because that almost, in my mind, gave me license not to not care about him, right? Right. But to take his convictions as seriously because it was based on most likely a faulty understanding of who God is and based in a cult. Now, there might be truth to that for sure. And maybe we did the right thing, but there's also the element of, hmm, if we possibly respected the convictions, would that cause him to be more open to the actual truth? And, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Um, but that was like part of the conversation. Like, well, he's, he's not really a brother. This, this whole conversation is about like being with a brother or sister, like they're in the same family. When they're not, though, what's, what do we do? And right. not entirely sure, to be honest. Right. And there's a big difference between somebody who just doesn't claim any beliefs versus somebody who is entrenched in a, a satanic lie uh, and believing that what they are following is the truth. That's like if, if what I've expressed to other people, not to go too deep in this, but you don't need to understand all the various beliefs of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness. But it's like the first thing you want to go to is who is Jesus to you? And when you find out that the truth is not the truth of who Jesus actually is, it's like we don't need to go any further. You have Jesus wrong. You are now preaching another Jesus, another gospel. And so do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You know, you get that wrong. Everything else kind of falls by the wayside from there. Yep. Hmm. That's like what Nikki says, the foundation of faith needs to be the same gospel. If it's not, our convictions will lead us in different directions because our convictions are founded upon different ideas of what the truth is. And so we can't really have unity when our convictions are different and when our source of truth is different. So, well, that was tonight's study. Guys, 12 verses, nine more than I thought. High five each other, virtual high fives. That is awesome. Praise God. He proved me wrong. So we'll pick up at 13 next week. Or, well, you won't be here for next week, will you? Um, Not necessarily. I actually might. I'll be, yes. Like, I can totally make time for it. That's actually something I'm planning on doing. So um, if anything changes, I'll let you know. But I got FOMO, so don't make sure you record it if I'm not there. Yes, yes. You need to go back and listen to last week's. <laughs> yeah. <talk> to you. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I'll go listen. Anyone else before we shut down and pray? Pray us out. Which, by the way, who wants to pray? pray us out? Put your hands up. I, wanna, I, I do want to add that, you know, a lot of times, even in ministry, when we were witnessing or when we were um, sharing that, you know, a lot of people have really detour from the word conviction. Mm. Conviction. Um, and you know, um, exactly, you know, what that is, is related to God, but, you know, here, you know, at this time in this hour, you know, uh, we're at war, you know, the Bible says that, you know, um, we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so like, when we do see Mormon and when we do see things that are not, um, lined up to line up to what you know um you know what god 
has said and what, you know, God has shown, you know, that, that is, you know, the thing that's, you know, the thing that, you know, we, we, we pray, we have to pray and make sure that we do because then we become convicted, you know, and, and the Bible also talks about being sober minded in this time because the enemy is like a roaring lion, like he's coming to devour. So when you know that you're in war, you know, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're going to get, be prepared, you know, um, and so when you're witnessing, you got to be prepared for people that will receive it and, and, you know, um, and then people that are not, that are, you know, not postured to receive it. So, you know, um, and in ministry, that's one of the things that a lot of times people are, you know, because, you know, when you're in ministry, much is given, much is required. Like you, you know, um, you know, you have that conviction where you see people, you know, and you know, wait a minute, hold up, you know, uh, so, you know, that's the biggest thing to know that, you know, according to God, we are, you know, we're in a war, you know, and we have to, you know, you know, and, you know, principalities, you know, we know that, you know, there are located, there are places, you know, people are from, whether they're the Mormon church, whether they're from any type of, you know, um, any type of, uh, what you call it, uh, principality, whatever that may have, um, a culture, what it may have shaped their, you know, um, even, you know, their, their ideas and everything. Um, but, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that, you know, the enemy, so it's separating, you know, the judgment, the enemy that, you know, this there, this, you know, um, has a different type of rhetoric. So, That's right. Sorry, I didn't see your hand in all, all these messages. Is there anyone else I possibly missed? I'm looking. Now, I terrible. don't recall anybody else after that. Cool. Who wants to pray? Pray us out. Oh, someone's calling James out. James, do you want to pray? Cheese, man. Cheese, man. Cheese, man. Cheese, man. Cheese. <laughs> I don't know if he's there. He's changing a poopy diaper, or he's on a target run. Those are your two options. Or he's working really late at Whole Foods. Sorry. You're telling me i got to change the baby's diaper. But I think I, think I can. It's acceptable. <laughs> I love your wife. <laughs> she approves, and I called it. Poopy diaper. Oh, you did. You did call it. I don't know if it was a poopy diaper, though. It's just the nighttime baby diaper. Anyways. Sorry. Uh, what was I doing? Oh, praying us out. I'm sorry. Lost my train of thought. Anyways, uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, King Jesus, I just wanted to say thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for all this, these wonderful people here in this uh, beautiful Bible study. It was it was epic. I got a lot out of it. Um, I just thank you. I pray that we all get a good night's rest, or at least we wake up refreshed. I pray for uh, you know just peace for all of us here. That that you just give us peace and comfort, and that we'll just just feel brand new. You know, I pray that you would just continue to 
to just uh, guide us and help us learn and learn more through your word. And I pray that we'll just, um, you know, continue to follow you, Lord. And I thank you for all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cheese Man. I'll see you next week. I love y'all. Have a good night. Night. Night, girl, bliss. Kiss. You hate me, James? (laughs) Go clean the poopy diaper now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the prayer, brother.